This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Well, welcome to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast on this beautiful December morning. Hopefully, thanks, it's beautiful. Thanks for having me, Sam. Uh, when it when it uh, airs, um, <laughs> it's it's not so much uh, now. It's no. it's a bit overcast, but that's that's the way it goes. Um, but uh, as we approach the end of the year, it's always a time of uh, of reflection and uh, sort of looking back at the year that was. And as we, especially as we come in here to uh, uh, the holidays, December, Christmas, it's always a good time to reflect. And um, you know, one of the one of the great things, uh, one of the great really uh, challenges that, that Jesus gave us is to, uh, to come and, and drink from rivers of living water. Um, and uh, so we're going to look at that today and uh, from John chapter 7. Yeah, and uh, uh, Sam, you know, I, 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 as we get to the end of the year, every year I like us, uh, for our, our listeners, to be considering decisions. Uh, life is a series of decisions. My dad always said our life is the result of decisions we've made. Yeah. Uh, decisions with God, decisions about the truth, decisions about ourselves. Decisions about our workplace, decisions about family. I don't know. Uh, there's a there's a big theological debate about why God has given people free will. You know, mm-hmm. when you say, "Well, why does why does a loving God allow there to be evil in the world?" And basically, evil stems from free will. People choose to do yeah. evil things, and so why would God not just eliminate all of the choices that involved hurting people? So you. You, you, he just eliminated that that freedom to like cut someone off in traffic, <laughs> or yeah. to lose your temper and strike someone. Or if what if we were just genetically, it was impossible for us to kill anyone, or maybe impossible to lie. Uh, why didn't God just create a different kind of world that you only had free freedom to do good things uh, and 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 no harm? But God is a loving God, and he's also an infinitely wise God. And he, in his infinite sovereignty and wisdom, has determined that the best way for us to live life and the best way, apparently, for us to glorify him is to exercise free will. And so um, I there's a tension there, and I don't want to get into it, uh, <laughs> between the sovereignty of God and... Uh, to me, the sovereignty, I think some people just take the sovereignty of God way, way too far, where people say, yeah, God is sovereign, and so, Sam, it doesn't matter what you do, God is going to have his will, his will will be done. Mm-hmm. Um, so if God has decreed and, and, and determined that you will be skinny, then you can eat you know, 10 root beer floats uh, after every meal. Uh, and pop bonbons like uh, their their vitamins, and you won't put on a pound because God has just determined that you're going to always be skinny. Now I know some people that do have a, a constitution that it seems like they there's would, certainly behavior that would uh, <laughs> indicate that that's what they believe. Now what God's going to do is uh, he, he, what I believe uh, the sovereignty of God means is that basically God. Number one, he sets the rules, and he's perfectly in charge. He he has put the whole rules together, and so mm-hmm. when he says, "If you obey me, you will experience life. If you disobey me, you'll experience death," then whether you obey or disobey, God is entirely sovereign. 
He has already determined that if you choose not to obey him, he's already determined what the outcome will be. If you choose to obey him, he also has outcomes for that. But he's the one who's determined the outcomes. He set the rules. He will enforce them. He'll hold you accountable. He is entirely sovereign, even in the midst of allowing you the freedom to choose. Uh, mm-hmm. And 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 certainly God is very much involved in the entire process. So uh, even if you choose uh, to obey him, you're going to need the spirit of God to enable you to obey, to right. give you the willpower, the desire, the uh, the the power to obey. So he is intricately involved in the whole process. But uh, but I would just say that he and his sovereignty has given us the freedom to choose. And so because yeah. of that, I, I always get to the end of a year and I ask myself the question, so what decisions could I make as I come into a new year that would enable me uh, to to live the best life I've lived so far. And I, I'm not talking about just a health and wealth or a self-help kind of thing. I, I'm talking about in my walk with God. Are there, are there some decisions I could make so that my walk with God in 2022 is the deepest, most fruitful, most powerful mm. that it's ever been? Uh, are there some decisions I could make so that my marriage is better than it's ever been? That are there decisions I could make where uh, my personal health is better than it's ever been? Uh, and if there are those decisions, I, I'm not sure I know what they all are apart from going to God and asking him and saying, God, help me to know decisions I need to make. And so I, I was thinking about this in the business world, and these are some famous examples um, and I realize you could look at them in different ways, but a couple that I always think are kind of interesting. One is uh, the story of Ron Wayne, who in 1976 uh, owned 10% of Apple computers. Uh, and at that time, Jobs and Wozniak were just in their 20s and uh, these idealists and kind of working out of you know very ramshackle or simple kind of... Uh, offices and and so on and and Wayne got worried that he's the only one at that time who owned a house if the company went belly up even though he only owned 10 percent uh the creditors could come to him and foreclose on his house and take his savings and so after only 12 days of owning 10 percent of Apple computer he he just didn't like the stress and the responsibility of things going south so he sold his 10% share for $800. Of course, uh, Apple Computer became the first company to val- be valued at over a trillion dollars, and, and now it's past the $2 trillion yeah. mark. 10% of $2 trillion would be a, you probably could retire on that. I bet, I bet you could. <laughs> um, something tells me. Uh, now, he said uh, that he felt, of course, what else could he say? He'd made the, the, the decision. In fact, I think it's interesting because he even... He even pulled out that contract at one point. I think sold it uh, for like just a pittance, just you know, a couple hundred dollars, and then it was later resold for a huge amount of money. Yeah. Even even just selling his old worthless contract, uh, he could have made way more money. But yeah. <laughs> uh, but he he had said, well, I would have been the richest man in the cemetery if I had not gotten out of that, and uh, maybe that's so. But uh, of course, we you look back and you say, but boy, you know. That was if only for eight hundred dollars, something that would be worth what two hundred billion dollars now. But yeah. 
Uh, Mike Smith and Dick Rowe back in the 60s were looking for the next uh, uh, big uh, band or, or musician, and they brought in a, a, a one particular rock band to their studios and let them run through 15 different songs over the course of two hours. And afterwards, they wrote back uh, to, the, the, to the, the band's manager and said, uh, not to mince words, but we don't like your boy's sound. Groups are out. Four-piece groups with guitars are finished. Of course, that group was the Beatles, and uh, yeah. this guy was wrong, apparently. These guys, in their estimate of whether the Beatles uh, could ever be become big or successful, uh, or Ross Perot, at one point uh, in, the, in 1979, Bill Gates came to him wanting him to invest between 40 and $60 million in this startup company of Microsoft. But Gates, uh, uh, Perot was uh, reluctant to, to put that much money in and offered instead 6 to $15 million. And so a deal never was consummated between them. But estimates are that had he gone ahead and given Gates what he was asking for, yeah. that it would have been worth about $750 billion today. But passing on a chance to invest in the ground floor of Microsoft or Apple computers or business decisions that people are probably <laughs> wishing they could have a yeah. do-over on. Oh, for uh, sure. George Lucas, when he made the first Star Wars movie, actually negotiated with the the, uh, uh, the Hollywood um, studio to say that he would take a $20,000 cut in pay if they would give him all the merchandising rights to all the merchandise that would come out of the Star Wars uh, movie and, and its sequels. At the time, they thought, hey, we're saving $20,000. That's great. You know, yeah. we're getting a steal on this guy. Of course, Lucas <laughs> would have known? apparently has made over $3 billion on action figures from the Star Wars movies. Uh, he, he's uh, laughing all the way to the bank. And one last one, Alexander Graham Bell, Bell actually went to William Orton, the president of, uh, of Western Union Telegraph, and offered him the patent to the telephone. Here's a here's a company that is making all this money from the telegraph, and now they have the the option to own the rights to the telephone. Seems like a natural leap forward. And, mm -hmm. But uh, Orton wrote back to Bell and said, after careful consideration of your invention, while it's a very interesting novelty, we have come to the conclusion that it has no commercial possibilities. What use could this company make of an electric toy? Uh, there are certain business people who have deep regrets today yeah. over decisions that they made mm -hmm. uh, not to proceed, not to invest. And uh, and I always, of course, you know, there's a lot more to those stories. And I'm sure if they were sitting here, they'd tell you why all their due diligence showed them that it was an unwise decision to make. Right. Uh, that's the thing about history. You can look back and realize, had I only decided here to do that, yeah. uh, not to buy this or not to invest in that or to invest what would have been different yeah what i was had, had hitler only been accepted into that yeah, art program if, uh, yeah if he'd only been a more successful artist perhaps you know but um anyway uh, <laughs> uh john 7 there's an interesting passage john 7 beginning verse 37 it says on the last and most important day of the festival jesus stood up and cried out if anyone is thirsty let him come to me and drink the one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. He said this about the Spirit, 
those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the Spirit, for the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. And the, the history of this was that this was the Feast of uh, Tabernacles, and it always occurred in the fall. And uh, for seven days, priests would go down to the Pool of Siloam, and they would take a golden pitcher, and they would put water in it from the pool, and then they'd bring it back up. They'd go through the water gate, and they would come to the temple, into the, uh, the main uh, altar, and uh, there they would uh, offer sacrifice and praise and prayer to God, and, and they would pray uh, in part for water, for rain, uh, because this was in the fall, and so all summer uh, had, had taken place, and this is in the Middle East, and these people all had cisterns that would collect water, and, uh, and, and so they try to get their cistern as full as possible during the rainy season. And then during the summer, when there was really no rain, uh, they'd have to kind of just live off this cistern. And, uh, and so by the time you got to this festival, it's in the fall, they've gone through all summer with no rain. And so their cisterns are empty. Uh, and of course, the cistern can be perfectly designed and made and, and maintained, but unless there's rainwater coming in to fill it up, yeah, it's no good to you. And so by the time of this festival, all these folks have empty cisterns that need filling. And, uh, and so it's interesting that for seven days in a row, they have this water ritual that they go through and they, uh, and they, they pray to God for rain. And Jesus is observing this. He's, he's involved in these, uh, this festival. And, um, and so on the last day, on the, the key day, he all of a sudden stands up and cries out. And I, and I love this uh, imagery here. Jesus, of course, we, a lot of times we miss this because we don't necessarily know these feasts very well or the symbolism involved. But, but for seven days, the people have been praying to God for rain. And then on the seventh day, all of a sudden, the Son of God stands up and cries out. And of course, when you stand up and cry out, you're trying to get people's attention. Yeah. You're, you're trying to say, hey, everybody, you, for seven days, you've been praying for rain. You've been praying for water. Well, how would you like to have not just a, a, a rainfall, a little cloud burst, but, but how would you like to have living water, a fountain, um, a well, a spring that just that this wells up within you, and you have this bubbling, fresh, cold, clear water, um, just bubbling up with inside you all the time. You don't need to worry about a cistern getting empty. Uh, you know, trying to scoop down to the very bottom of the cistern to get just a little bit more water out, so you can all have something to drink today. But instead of having to constantly refill these cisterns and hope that there's going to be more rain, how would you like to have? refreshment that comes from within inside you in a never-ending supply. Uh, the picture of that to these M Middle Eastern people would have been profound. Um, and, uh, and so he stands up and he, and he tries to get their attention. Uh, and, but, then he, but then he says, uh, but here's what you have to do. Uh, and, he's, and he says a couple of things. First of all, you have to, you have to recognize you're thirsty. Uh, if you if you're not thirsty, then water doesn't mean anything to you. If uh, yeah. uh, and 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 I'll tell you, I'm I'm around a lot of leaders, and and there's a lot of very thirsty leaders that won't admit that they have need of water. Uh, mm. They're dried up, they're stressed out, they're uh, they're anxious, they're troubled, they don't have peace, they don't have joy, 
just look at them. You know, I'm in a lot of airport lounges and I hear a lot of business guys uh, calling back to the office or calling home or calling customers. And and I don't know what it is. A lot of folks just don't have a quiet voice. <laughs> so they're in a, no, they tend to be super uh, loud. So you can't help but hear that you, yeah. I'm involved in this guy's minute details of their life, um, whether I want to be or not. Uh, and you just hear a bunch of folks that they're they're empty they're they're dry and mm-hmm. um and but the, but there are people that would never acknowledge that they would never admit that and and so i mean the first thing is if and by the way my dad for years i, I people would ask my dad and they would say well henry what do you do in your dry spells when when you go through spiritual wildernesses and spiritual dry times you know how do you get out of it and my dad uh, and I, he never said this boastfully, but he he genuinely uh, would say, I, I just don't recall having a dry spell. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, and he wasn't trying to say he was super spiritual, but he, he just said, you know, when you have living water, when you have springs of living water welling up within you all the time, how can you have a dry spell? Yeah. But, but the thing is, you can have a dry spell if you never go to the water, if you never acknowledge you need the water. Uh, you could actually have the Holy Spirit, uh, living water, uh, present inside your life, and yet, if you don't feel like you need it, then it's of no use to you, no right. good to you. So, um, so Jesus says four things. One is, you know, first of all, just acknowledge you, 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 you're thirsty, and realize that God's got something that you need. But secondly, you must come. You've got to come to Jesus. And there's a big debate about. The God's sovereignty and our free will, and you know, people will say, "Well, if you if you come to Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, are you are you being saved by your works?" And uh, uh, of course, this isn't necessarily talking just about salvation; it's just talking about are you thirsty? Are you? Yeah. Do you need refreshing? Do you need the Holy Spirit uh, to to do a work in your life? And uh, and if so, uh, God's the one who'll do it. God's the one who'll refresh you. God's the one that'll give you the water. But he is putting the onus on us yeah. uh, to make some decisions. And there so, is an action that we have to take. Yeah. You, if you don't, you know, you can be right next to running water, but if you don't take the pitcher, if you don't take the glass yeah. and drink it, then um, it's not going to do you any good. And I, I've often said this about the promises of God. Uh, the Bible's filled with promises God's made, but you have to embrace those promises. You have to accept them. You have to believe them. And so it says, come to me. And, and I know people, uh, again, many busy leaders that feel like they're too busy to even come to Jesus. You know, I, uh, I, I know I should have a quiet time, but I've got to just get to work early this morning and I've got a lot to do today. I don't have time to come to Jesus. And, uh, mm. Jesus would say, are you thirsty? Then, then you, you, you need to make time to come to me. And then it says drink. Um, and again, it, I, I don't, I don't believe that God forces his best on you. So, God would say, Sam, I, I, my best for you would be to be healthy and fit and not overweight. Um, and I'm going to guide you and I'm going to show you how. And I'll, 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 you know, by my spirit, I'll enable you to exercise and to eat right and to make healthy choices. But, but, I, but I'm not going to let you just keep making unhealthy choices and then just determine that you're going to always be lean and fit and muscular anyway. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, he says, you've got to drink, you've got to come. And then last, he says, you've got to believe. Um, there, there are just some things. And, and I'll tell you, I'm just one who believes if God tell, if he sets the rules and says, you have to believe, then your belief is not a work that is saving you. Yeah. you your belief is simply, uh, believing the work that God has done, that the, the provision that God has made, uh, and you just trust God and his word and, you, you accept what God has done for you and what God will do for you. But, but there are just some decisions that you have to make. And so, uh, and I, so I love this because if you read this whole chapter, you realize that people are all around Jesus are having to make decisions. In mm-hmm. fact, at the beginning of the chapter, Jesus' own brothers are not even believing in him. And they're, they grew up in the same home as him. And they're saying, ah, I'm not sure I believe. Uh, I'm not, I don't think I'm coming to Jesus for that. I'm not looking to Jesus to satisfy my thirst. Uh, now, they eventually will come around, and eventually they will become leaders in the church, which I'm grateful for. Uh, but they, they were making unwise decisions early on, and yeah. then they made better ones later. But then there's other people that the, the, the regular people are, are torn. Some are saying, uh, well, but I, we've never seen anybody like this. It seems to me like truly this has got to be the son of God. And, and others, of course, are saying he's deceived, he's a lunatic, he's, he's evil. Uh, and everybody's making decisions about Jesus. And yeah. which is what has happened in every generation since he came is uh, everybody's got to decide for themselves, what do I believe about Jesus? Do I believe what he said? If I do, then I need to come to him and I need to drink. Um, and I, I need to make some decisions that are going to benefit my life, my walk with God. Hello, I'm Richard Blackaby, and I'm president of Blackaby Ministries International. On behalf of my parents and the whole Blackaby team, I want to just thank you for your friendship, your support, your prayers for our ministry. These have been challenging times, and uh, there's been all kinds of difficulties and uh challenges and hurdles to overcome that um, churches and individuals and ministries have never had to face before. But I'm reminded of what Paul said in Philippians, where he said, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And that's certainly my heart as well to thank you for your partnership with us. And I wanted just to let you know especially as we come to the end of this year, that uh, a wonderful uh, friend of our ministry just believes so much in what God is doing that he has offered a $100,000 matching gift uh, to our ministry, which means that anyone who gives uh, a donation to our ministry from this point onward through the end of the year, he'll match it up to $100,000. So if you were thinking of giving us $100,000, this is the time to do it because it will be completely doubled by this wonderful donor. But seriously, we just want to encourage you that if the Lord has placed us on your heart, this is a great time to do that because it will release the matching amount of money. And uh, we just have a conviction here at Blackaby Ministries that uh, God is doing some amazing things right now. Everywhere I go and speak, there just seems to be a hunger and a great response. And so we are looking forward 
uh, to the year ahead and what God will do. And if you can help uh, in matching this very special gift, it will enable us to be fully prepared to respond to everything God will ask us to do. So thank you for all that you've done. And we look forward to serving with you, partnering with you in the year ahead. Yeah, I think so often we um, we can just sort of assume that, the, you know, the right things are just going to happen, mm-hmm. the, 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 the good things are going to happen, that, that God's going to somehow sprinkle his little magic dust and, yeah. and you know, the... The, the results that we want in the end are going to take place anyways without our uh, being involved. But uh, it is very clear that, that there is action, there is there are decisions that have to be made on our part. And so, you know, maybe just as we look to, to the end of the year, as we look back on this year, as we look forward to next year, um, what are some encouragements that you can give us um, just to start making those uh, those right decisions, um, you know, you know, we recognize yes, we do have to decide. Uh, I think that's the first <laughs> decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, uh, as we as we make the you know adjust our decisions, um, what are some encouragements you can give just as we wrap up? Well, you know, there's lots and lots of decisions, obviously, that you can make in various areas of your life. I think certainly uh, take some time before the year's out to get alone with God, get a, get your Bible, get a, a note, a, a journal of some kind, piece of paper, and just say, God, what are some decisions I could make in about my relationship with you that would enrich my walk so that I, I walk more closely with you than I ever have? And, and I would just say, just sorry to interrupt, but mm-hmm. making that time is... That's a, that, that's a key decision yeah. that you, you know, if it's, you have to put it on your calendar, if it's... Yeah you know, do what has to be done in order to, to get that time yeah. because that time doesn't just appear. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, because we're going to, we're entering the holiday season. So hopefully every, all of our listeners are getting some time off work, but, but I mean, this is important enough that I would say if you have to take a, a day of, of holiday time and go to a cabin, go to a hotel, uh, go down into your basement, close the door and say, I'm not coming yeah. up for a while. I'm going to spend this day with God. Uh, find some time and say, now, what decisions do I need to make? And maybe I need to add some time in my prayer time to God. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe I need to make sure I, I'm more disciplined in my quiet time. Maybe I haven't been journaling, but I feel like if I would write down more of what God's saying, I'd be more likely to hold myself accountable to it. Uh, uh, maybe I need to spend more time listening instead of just talking in my prayers. Uh, there are lots of decisions you could make. It might be that uh, I, I always try to set some goals uh in terms of what I read. And I I like to try to take at least a couple of epic tomes. Uh, Our reading club is taking on the Count of Monte Cristo, which is not a necessarily a Christian book, but it's a a classic book. Nor should it be done lightly because it's about 1,200 pages. 1,200 pages. Yeah, and of course, our... Our reading club said the, we could not be wimpy and read the, the abridged, the abridged yeah, mere yeah. 435 page uh, book, but I had to read the 1200 page. But that's the kind of thing that can be very daunting to folks. Although I would say I'm about 150 pages in now, and it's uh, actually it keeps you it keeps moving. It's, it's interesting, good. but yeah. Uh, but there, there are also a lot of Christian classics, and there's some Christian books that are are very challenging. Uh, and I, I love uh, in, during the holiday season to basically 
identify a number of books that maybe I put them on a shelf uh, aside and say, and you order them on Amazon or the bookstore or whatever, and and you have them ready, and you say, this year in 2022, I'm. I'm I'm knocking these books off, and mm-hmm. and even just with the, the count, uh, I've been trying to just read a little bit before bed every night instead of watching the news. Get a classic book and take the last forty five minutes or so of the day. And the problem is, I kind of get into it, and yeah. it's, it's past my bedtime, and I'm like, okay, it I, I got I got to go to bed. It's exciting, uh, but um, but also just decisions about your health. Uh, maybe you need to start running. Maybe like I shared before on this podcast, I. I decide I, I I ought to at least be fit enough that I could run a 5K uh, at, without stopping and and dialing 911 and uh, and <laughs> yeah. uh, and so what what would that take to get myself into that condition? Uh, uh, you know, it, it could be uh, decisions about eating. I travel a lot, and so uh, I'm I'm around a lot of good food and desserts and snacks, and uh, I'm sitting a lot, and so every year I have to kind of reevaluate my lifestyle and what I eat and what I don't eat. Uh, and then certainly decisions about relationships, like your relationship with your, your spouse. Uh, if you're, if you're married, what, what is one or two decisions or, or one or two decisions you could make that would enrich your marriage? Uh, your relationship with your kids. Uh, maybe you realize, you know what, I just need to go on dates, just, you know, lunch outings with, with each of my kids individually. And I, I've always thought that was a good idea, but I, I just haven't been very consistent in doing that. And I'm going to just get my calendar out and just start penciling in times where I'm going to take one of my kids to lunch. And, uh, and I'm not going to do all the talking. I'm going to be asking a lot of questions. And mm-hmm. and maybe there's some friendships that I need to, to cultivate. Maybe there's uh, non-Christians that I need to spend more time getting to know and reach out to. Or maybe neighbors. Uh, and you maybe this is the year I go on a mission trip. And I just have always known I needed to do that. And it's just time to to, to actually you know put that in motion. But um, so many decisions that you could make that would lead your life down a different path than the mm-hmm. one that you're headed toward right now. Um, and I just, uh, you know, my, of course I've shared this before, but my, my life verse is Ephesians three twenty, which just says God's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than what you could ask or think. And, and so I'm looking at my life and I'm saying the only, so that means that God still has more that my life could experience. Um, but for me to experience more of what God has, the only way for me to do that is to live differently than the way I was going to, yeah. uh, to, to not just go with my default, but to say, so what are those healthy decisions? And I'm not talking about new year's resolutions, you know, where every year I got to exercise more, yeah. you know, I got to lose some weight this year. Like that's not really a goal. And it's not necessarily a God-inspired goal. I would say what you want to do is you want to get along with God and say, God, you tell me what decisions you want me to make. What are you offering? Are you... And I suspect that for some of us, God is all but standing up and shouting like Jesus did and saying, look, if anybody would want to have an abundant life, if anybody would want to experience joy in their life, in their marriage, their family this year... If anybody would like to have bear more fruit than they've ever uh, had before, then here's what you need to do. And I feel like God may well be trying to stand up and shout today to get the attention of a lot of Christians to say, 
listen, there's just so much more I could be doing in your life. Don't, mm-hmm. uh, don't just go into the next year assuming that if you just keep doing everything you've always done that somehow you're going to get different results. Uh, you have to make different decisions to get different uh, outcomes. And so, uh, so what are those decisions? And, and the only decisions that really are going to matter are the ones that are God-inspired. Yeah. And, and God can tell you exactly what, if you just make, and, th- and that's the difference between a New Year's resolution and a God-inspired decision. Uh, New Year's resolutions oftentimes don't even last, uh, you know, into February. Yeah. Um, but when, when the Spirit of God comes and says, no, I'm telling you, if you'll drink, uh, if you'll come to me, if you'll believe, uh, then this is what I will do. Yeah. And and God backs up those promises with His Holy Spirit. He He will enable you. He has all the resources to enable you to follow through and be successful with what He tells you to do. He He doesn't guarantee success for what you choose to do, but He will guarantee success for what He has inspired you to do. And so that's the key. Find out what God, what decisions God is telling you to make, what directions He's inviting you to go, and then run that direction with abandon and make those decisions and 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 don't just do it in your mind i i think it's important to write those down in your journal Uh, maybe maybe there's three three and don't don't have a list of 25 decisions have a list of two or three and put those in writing perhaps in your bible somewhere where you're going to see them and just say for 2022 these are some changes that god has told me i need to make and so out of the chute, I'm going to, I'm going to be living my life this way. Instead, I'm going to be making these commitments. And, um, and what I would expect if you'll, if you will trust the Lord in that and let him guide you in that, uh, then this certainly could be the finest year that lies right ahead of you in so many ways. And if it is, and you get to the end of 2022 and say, that is the best year I've ever had in my life. Um, then, Pull up with God at the end of 2022 and say, and what decisions with you do I need to make so that 2023 is better still? Even better. All right. Well, I think that's a great place to end it. And until next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackv.org.